Okay, this is all about Australia, down under, kangaroos, big dirt. It was quite the adventure. Got back from Australia about two weeks ago now. And it was a heck of a trip. To provide some background for everybody on this Australia trip, I started poking around for Australia in 2019. I went to Saudi Arabia in 2019 uh, because Zahid Cat found me on social media. They said, hey, come on out. I want you to take pictures. So that gave me some confidence to start thinking about other places around the world. I'd always seen Australian earth moving on Instagram, on social media. From the time I was in college, it looked spectacular, the bright red earth, the big equipment, the kangaroos everywhere. I've always wanted to go to Australia. I start digging in in 2019, no pun intended, and getting it set up for 2020, 2020 happens. Sure. So I just throw Australia in the bin, focus on the States, international travel is out of the question. Australia went off the deep end from a restriction standpoint. Uh, I let the dust settle for a few years, and I thought 2023 was going to be the year. So end of last year, started to do my research to plan for this trip. My international strategy is basically get my foot in the door somewhere and then see what opportunities present themselves from there. That's what we did with, I think the best example is Alberta, Canada. We went up to the oil sands region with no real connections whatsoever. We visited a mine contractor. We had one visit set up. And then on the second trip, we were set up with like five companies. We had permission from Suncourse and Crude. It was unbelievable thanks to the first trip. So that was the premise of this trip was to go experience Australian earth moving, tell Australia, build what's here, baby. Let's see some dirt, publish these videos and then see what the heck uh, we, we go, wh where we go from here. So I started to cast lines out into every Australian pond I could find. And as uh, fish would bite, I would work through the process. I would put what, uh, what, we, what we got on a map. And then I started to connect the dots to make a cohesive trip out of it. I, after looking at a map, I decided very quickly that we would focus on the eastern side of Australia since it's absolutely enormous. And the Pilbara, the western side, western Australia is where really the money, the big money's at. But I figured I could get my foot in the door out east in the Bowen Basin. So let's focus out there for now. I, to start, I go to Arizona to my sister's graduation. I go to graduation that morning. I have dinner or lunch with my family. I go to a coffee shop that afternoon in Tucson, and then I go to the Tucson International Airport, but I did not fly from Tucson to Australia. I get on a plane, Tucson to LAX, meet Angel, LAX. We fly LA to Brisbane. We hang out in Brisbane. We go through customs. We get there at about six in the morning. We go to the lounge for a few hours. We have a shower after traveling for 25 hours or whatever it was because we had one more flight to Mackay. We land in Mackay, get the rental car, and drive right to Hastings Deering, the Caterpillar dealer of uh, Queensland. So we meet our host, Ashley, there. She was one of the people I had talked to back in like 2019. She heads up marketing efforts for Hastings Deering, and we check out their entire shop. 
where they rebuild a lot of the trucks and dozers coming from the coal mines in the surrounding region. And then they build a lot of brand new equipment. So the shop is full of rebuilds and all sorts of amazing projects that we got to see. And then we went outside of the shop to the build pads where they had 794 autonomous trucks getting built, 796 man trucks getting built, tons of D11s, tons of D10s. There were projects everywhere, everywhere. So we got to go run around on the trucks and ask a bunch of dumb questions and see what the heck Caterpillar does. We saw a 793 getting loaded on a truck for shipping. Absolutely spectacular. That video will be on YouTube. All of this will be on YouTube. So that was Hastings Deering. And we asked, where are a lot of these trucks going? Well, a lot of the trucks were going to uh, the Olive Downs complex with Tease. And a lot of the trucks were going to Bravis, which coincidentally, we were both going to see later that week. We go back home to the Airbnb. We go to bed really early because we're all messed up from a sleep schedule standpoint. And we wake up. I woke up at about 3.30 the next morning to run. And we were on the road by about 4.15 to get out to the mines. Did you get in during the day or you got in at night and then this was the first full day? We got in in the at Monday morning. Okay. So, or we got into Mackay. We got into Australia Monday morning. We got into Mackay at about 1 p.m. We go to Hastings that afternoon. Oh, okay. So this is all just day one. And this is all Eastern Australia. Eastern. Yeah. Mackay is like Northeast corner, uh, Northeast corner of Australia. Everybody fly, people flying in Mackay go up there to go to the Whitsunday Islands, I believe it is. And mm. it's like some of the most beautiful beaches and reefs in the entire world. But we weren't there for that. I didn't see a single beach while I was there. We were there for the coal mines. We'll put this all on a map. And Harrison is here for additional support. Support. Yes. We wake up early, we drive into the middle of nowhere, it's dark, we drive a long ways down a dirt road, we get to the mine access road, there's construction going everywhere, there's trucks going in the place, there's a lot of activity, there's kangaroos bouncing around in the distance, which was sweet, and we pull into the security gate. We have to go through security, and they say sign, sign on the piece of paper, and then here's a breathalyzer test. We get breathalyzed right away. <laughs> Fortunately, Angel and I didn't stay out too late the night before. We are good to go into the mine. We get in to a ute with uh, Tease and head into the mine site. The Olive Downs, the Pembroke Olive Downs Complex is a brand new uh, met coal mine. So it's all coal for steel making going up into the Asian market primarily. You need coal to make steel. You need high, high, high energy. And met coal has super, a super high energy content. And more met coal comes from Australia in the Bowen Basin than just about any other place in the world. So this is essential stuff. And Pembroke has spent a lot of years getting this place up and running. So it was spectacular to see. And the mine wasn't operational yet. It was Greenfield. They were developing the mine when we got there. So we drive down the mine road into the mine and there's Hitachi 1200s and D10s and D11s and articulated trucks, rigid trucks, scrapers, all sorts of trucks running 
uh, equipment running out in the distance to prepare the mine for mining. All of it was just site development. So they have to open up the veins first. No. There they have to find the coal first. No, this, this was only, they have to strip the topsoil. They have to dig uh, like channels to, to for water. All of this was just mine infrastructure. They weren't even touching the actual earth moving quite yet. Which brings me to Tease, which we were there to visit Pembroke, but we were with Tease because Tease is the contract miner. So Pembroke's the owner, but all mining activities are operated by Tease. Big global mining giant based out of Brisbane, Australia. Huge presence in Australia. They're in South America, North America. They're up in Asia, Indonesia. They have operations all over. Um, it's a big deal for them to be starting a brand new mine. So the first place we started was um, the autonomous testing pad, calibration pad, the calibration pad, which was this giant area. It was flat ground with this berm around it. And it was essentially uh, like a cul-de-sac at one end and then a haul road for probably a quarter mile, half mile, maybe a little bit more, maybe uh, maybe more than that. And then a cul-de-sac at the other end. And what they do is they bring the trucks in there and this is where they test the trucks in this safe environment before they release them into the wild. So they bring all these trucks in, they outfit them with all of the technology through Hastings, they drive them in, they calibrate them on site, and then they're ready to go. So we had a CAT 794 AC haul truck, over a 300-ton truck, and they had it loaded, and it was autonomous. They were going to give us a demonstration. So there were two guys there. They pull out this laptop, basically just this normal laptop. He goes, he walks up to the truck, he starts the truck, and then... The truck, it's blinking green, meaning it's a manned truck. You can drive it normally. It has a cab. He then puts it into a position like a lane where the truck will identify, oh, I know where I am right now. It's like a predetermined place that it can drive. He gets down from the truck. He goes over to the laptop and he selects the truck. You can see the truck number 348 or whatever it is. You look at the truck. It says 348 on it. You click it. And then the truck, you can tell it turns to autonomous when the light goes solid blue. And then once you hit start, which he hits start, it starts blinking blue. It takes off and it starts, drives down the hall road, turns around, drives down the hall road back towards us, turns around, drives down the hall road, turns around. And it just does that until we tell it to stop. Like a massive slot car. Basically. So it's, it's, it's on like a, a set track. And it runs off GPS, I guess. Uh, it's, so it's using GPS mm -hmm. and LiDAR. So the GPS tells the truck where it's at. And then LiDAR is creating basically a 3D environment in front of the truck. So it knows what's going on exactly in front of the truck. So it can stop. Well, and then it has object detection on, yeah. the, on the front, which is separate the, from the LiDAR. So if I stood in front of the truck, it would recognize me and stop. And then if for whatever reason, something goes terribly wrong, which hasn't happened, but in theory, it could, yeah. you, you're literally holding a button with a big red stop sign on it and you hit that and it stops everything. But does it like lock up emergency brakes too? Yeah. Or like they, it just full stop. Well, the, yeah, it, it, the, the trucks, 
they engineer the trucks to stop fully loaded within at full speed within one truck length. Oh. So it's wild to see. Yeah. Did they do any stop test? No. No, because it's hard on the truck. You yeah. Don't, you don't want to be doing that. Um, but that was spectacular. And then we take all our pictures. We do our drone. We do everything we need to do. We walk back over to the guy. We say, yeah, we're good to go. He's like, great. And he brings the truck back over. Hit stop. Truck stops. That's that. Just mind-boggling. We get back in the ute. We navigate a bunch of emus just walking all over the roads. And then we go to their, basically their future shop site, this enormous pad they've created where they're building all of these trucks. So they're putting, they ship the trucks independent of the beds. So they ship the truck and the bed. The truck gets assembled at the dealer, shipped in. The bed gets assembled at the dealer, welded, shipped in. And then they use a crane to put the bed on the truck. They also had the, I thought it was going to be hard to, surpass the autonomous trucks but they had a Liebherr 9800 which is one of the biggest hydraulic excavators in the world it had it it, it uh 80 tons per pass over a 60 yard bucket on it absolutely a monster machine and we got to basically just play around on it um which was not play around on it it was safe of course you know but but we got to go up into the cab and check it out and 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 walk around the machine because it wasn't operating, and then we're while we're standing on the machine, this other group of a few guys starts walking up, and they're being followed by a videographer and a photographer. <laughs> and Angel and I are like, "What the? What's going on?" And and we ask her, and, and we ask the guy we we're with. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's the CEO of the company." I'm like, "Oh, interesting." And they were doing uh, promotional media work for the mine. <laughs> with the new machine while we were coincidentally there as well. So I get to go uh, talk with the CEO, Barry, who was just absolutely spectacular. He, he's been working on this for years and years and years and years. And he talked, uh, talked about uh, you know, everything they're doing for the community and from a conservation standpoint. And he showed me their koala sanctuary and they have all of the koalas in the koala sanctuary with trackers on them so they can... He, he literally pulled up on his phone here, here you can see, and he hits, here's the koalas and you can, you can hit one and it pulls up the name Noah. Oh, and you can see, so here's where Noah has been for the past 24 hours. They tracked the damn koalas. <laughs> it's amazing. It's crazy. Autonomous koalas. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's so funny. Um, but his point was, Hey, this is, this is absolutely essential stuff we're doing here. You, you the world doesn't work without steel. And steel doesn't work at scale without metallurgical coal right now. So we need to be doing this. And there's a way that we can do this while also being very responsible from an environmental standpoint as well. And that's why he had the media group there was typically, uh, you know, mines, they just hide. But they, these newer mines, they've had to go through such a PR fight that they want to tell their story, which I think is huge. Yeah, I mean... The permitting must be crazy to start a new mine. Nearly impossible. And near, then, like, near, like, what is it? It's one of, it's probably one of two or three. They, they said it's of new mines? Yeah, of new mines. Like, we, went to, we, went, we went to the only really two new coal mines in Australia. Carmichael and then 
all of Downs Complex. And, and how many do you figure are in the world of new coal mines? Oh, uh, I don't know. But they said this could potentially be the last new coal mine in Australia. Wow. Because they've basically just shut down permitting for some of these mines, which is uh, super counterproductive. But that's where the world thinks it is right now. And then even if you can get it permitted, the financing is nearly impossible because all the banks have these ESG requirements they have to meet. <laughs> um, and so that rules out they can't lend to a mining company, for example. It's, 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 it's maddening. But, but we need steel. <laughs> but we need steel. We need steel. And we need, we need coal. We need power. We need baseload energy. Like No matter what the coal is used for, it's being used for, it's being used for a reason and you can go look at the energy policies with Germany. They've shut down nuclear and then they've shut down their coal plants. And now energy is five times more expensive than it should be. And now they're just burning trash. And now they're now they're reversing their policies because manufacturing's leaving. It, it, it's just caused this this enormous, enormous issue for them. So with this new mine, does this coal burn? It obviously burns hotter does it burn cleaner or is it so it's it's do they it's, have facilities that help it burn cleaner they uh so what what metallurgical coal is it's it's basically much higher energy content coal and it's, i believe it's low sulfur mm -hmm. and they go i could be completely wrong on this but they basically heat it they go put it in a coke battery which heats the coal without the presence of oxygen so it doesn't burn, which removes oh. the impurities, transforming it into coke, which is pure carbon. And then that coke is fed into the blast furnace as the primary fuel mm -hmm. to create the energy needed to break apart the atoms within the iron ore and everything else they're putting into the steel making process to create ultimately that, uh, that, that molten steel. And I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty that, sure that's that, how it works. Yeah. And I mean, if think about it, gasoline or diesel is all just carbon chains, carbon. It's atoms. all carbon. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. It's all energy. Like, yeah. That's, that's all it is at the end of the day. It's just you're releasing energy. Yeah. That's how it all works. Uh, whereas coal within a power standpoint is it's, it's burned to create heat which creates steam, which then spins a turbine, mm -hmm. which then makes your electricity. Same with nuke. Same with nuke. Um, it, you're basically creating, you're splitting atoms to create energy, to, to create heat, to spin a turbine, to, to make water into, to water into steam, spin a turbine. Uh, wind turbine uses the wind to spin a turbine. Hydro uses water to spin a turbine. Gas, yeah. spin a turbine. I think it's hilarious. It's just like... It, you know, let's let's forget about like trying to figure out cold fusion or something like that. No, just spin big magnet. That's it. That's it. Yeah, the only thing that doesn't that produces electricity at scale right now that isn't about spinning stuff is solar. And I'm assuming you need to mine to get magnets to spin the big turbines. Yeah, you you, you always need mining no matter what what you yeah. like. Copper demand is supposed to double within the next decade just because of the green energy infrastructure required that's wild so you you see this coal mine and then we get to walk around the 9800 they mm -hmm. they reposition the 9800 for a picture with barry which was cool we got our picture with him it, fantastic 
we took pictures with Tease. We got a bunch of marketing material for them. We got a whole video made for us. Spectacular stuff. Some of some of my favorite work I've done in years. Yeah. And then I coincidentally had been messaging someone else on LinkedIn who was going to hook me up with some guys. And he said, hey, there's this guy I know that has a civil construction company working at All of Downs. And I'm like, no shit. So we wrap up with Tease after lunch and I message this other guy. I can't get a hold of him. So we're about to leave. But then I finally get a hold of him and I finally find this guy. He just walks up and I'm like, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. And he's like, that's me. I'm like, no shit. So he says, give me a moment. I'll have one of the guys take you out. We wait around for a while, maybe like an hour or so. And then we get to go out to check out their 631s getting pushed by D10s, uh, moving topsoil and digging channels for the mine infrastructure, which totally unexpected bonus content, scrapers moving dirt in Australia. It was sick. And all of that's super essential. You need to control your flow of water through the site because Queensland's dry until it's not. And you don't want to make any unnecessary contamination. So you have to you have to reroute water as it, you know, travels through the site. And then um, you have to remove and stockpile all the topsoil because all of the land that they're mining the coal from is all going to be reclaimed. And so once you mine the coal, you place your material back, you cover it with topsoil, and then you reseed, replant everything. So you basically restore the natural land that you, you restore it to how you found it before without the coal underneath. Which is mostly just outback scrub type of it's, stuff. It's, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's exactly as you'd imagine it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of some scraggly trees yeah. and grasses and it's, it's really beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's pretty similar across the board. And so just kind of for reference, how far is this from like the nearest like big town or city? Is it just out in the middle of like nowhere? It was a two and a half hour drive, maybe two hour drive from Mackay. And no buildings around or anything. Just, no, oh no, 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 just no, no, big, no, flat open space. Uh, yeah. If you've been to New Mexico, New Mexico, mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. There's some places in New Mexico where yeah. you're like, I am out here right now, and I, I don't know if if I something happened. I don't think anyone's finding me. This was a different level of middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, it's it's out there, but it's all there's there's mines all over this region, so it's all just mines, and then some small towns scattered. But there's no like we didn't see like a stoplight. You know, we when we left Mackay, the next time we saw a stoplight was when we got to Mackay back on Friday. So we were just driving just super rural Queensland the entire time. Get places fast. Kind of. They're just so they're so strict about speeding in Australia. Yeah. It was not fun. Um, driving the speed limit, but I only drove the speed limit. Only the speed limit. I would both. never exceed the speed limit. We saw that, and then he said, "Follow me. I know you know faster. Where where are you guys staying tonight?" And we said, "Middlemount. Oh, I know a faster way. It's only an hour from here." We go down dirt road, dirt road, dirt road, dirt road, dirt, dirt, you know, middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, cows in the road, middle of nowhere, cows in the road, cows in the road, cows in the road, cows over here, cows over there. Finally, in the dark, arrive at Middlemount. And we pull up to the local pub. 
And we have dinner at the local pub, which, yeah, very, very fancy. Um, so we experienced the local pub, which apparently gets wild. Unfortunately, we missed topless night. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, huge shame. Um, so we go to Middlemount and, and it's a small town. And we, we, I look up where we're staying and, and, oh, and I go to the address and we pull in and it's like a bunch of condos. And it doesn't have which one we're staying in. It doesn't, oh, it says go to check-in, but check-in closes at 5 and it's 8 p.m. Everything's closed. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God. And it says if you're there after check-in, email our partners at this random email address. So I'm just like, we might we might be screwed. I, I don't think they're going to check their email right now. So I send them an email, but I, I tell Angel, I'm like, dude, we have something booked here, but I don't think we're going to get in. I, I I don't know what to do. And so we start driving around the town, which is not a very big town. We start going to the hotels in town and asking, hey, do you have any rooms available? We go to, we go back to the pub because you have to walk through through slot machines to the pub to ask if there's any hotel rooms at the motel behind the pub, of course. Nice. They were full. We go to the next one. They were full. We go to the next one. They were full. So we check, we go three of them and I'm just like, we might be sleeping in the car tonight. And we go to the fourth and she says, there's no walk-ins, but you can book online. And I'm like, okay. So I'm outside of their office booking online on my phone and I get a phone call from where we're supposed to stay. Oh, yes. So we get into where we're supposed to be. We sleep well. I wake up in the middle of the night pretty much to, to run again. We then drive in the morning, only about 20 minutes out of town to another coal mine. It's, it's only coal mines all around us are massive coal mines. Cows and coal mine. You can probably see this region from space because you can see, if you look at it from a satellite view, all of the coal mines following the same vein of coal oh, over the landscape. That's wild. Yeah, different so contractors though? All different like multinational mining companies. Wild. Um. So we get to this mine, they basically say, go to this parking lot, nicknamed the Dust Bowl, which was accurate. We sit there for a while. <laughs> they say 6.30. Uh, so I get there at 6.30. We sit there and we sit there and we sit there and my cell service sucks. And I, I, I try to message them. I don't know if my messages are going through. It gets to be 7, mm-hmm. 7.15, 7.30. I'm like, fuck. I don't know if these guys are coming. Finally, they pull up. Around like seven forty five, whatever it is, it was it was it was enough. Where it's like I don't know if I we might be screwed here, but they they got us. It's a long ways in the mine. They got tied up. We drive out all the way out. You know, it's probably a twenty minute drive to just get to the mine office from this parking lot. We go we go through security, and at the at the mine office, we sign in, and then the woman at the desk holds out this red bag. And she says, pick a marble. Oh. And if you get a yellow one, you have to go take a drug test. <laughs> and so, so Angel reaches into the bag. And he pulls out a red marble. He's just like, oh, oh, thank God. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to go take a drug test right now. I reach in. I grab a red one. I'm like, oh, thank God. But it was the funniest thing. I, it's such a, an odd way to randomly choose people, but I guess it works. Yeah, that's a weird way to do it. So we didn't have to take a drug test. I didn't have to piss on any cups. Good. We drive out. We drive out onto the mine. We drive out. We drive out. We drive out. It, it, 
it was a, a lot of driving to get to their shop. And this next day, we're with uh, National Group, which is an equipment rental company. So they rent a lot of the big gear, like uh, heavy metal equipment in Canada. They rent a lot of the big gear to these mining companies out in Australia. Uh, so this guy, Mark, he started with a D8, and now they have the biggest Lee Bear excavators and 24 graders and mining trucks. It's amazing how much equipment they have. I don't know how many D11s they have. Tons and tons and tons of D11s. Uh, so we get to their shop. They have 830 Komatsu haul trucks here, a 24 grader. And then our main target was a Lee Bear 996B. And once we get squared away at the shop, we find someone willing to take us out there. It's uh, we, it's it's funny. We got there at 630. We probably got down into the pit at like nine. It took a while to get down there, but we finally get down there with a guy that needed to go check on something with the excavator. So once we get there, the excavator goes down for the other guy we were with to get up on it and to check in on something, some filter. And then the trucks start stacking up. So there were, once he was done, probably 10, 830 trucks sitting there waiting to get loaded. And he starts digging and we can't move around because there's mining trucks and they basically say, and it's not their operation. So it's, you know, you can stand here, but we got to use drones. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. If we didn't get to use drones, it would be way less cool. So we got some sick shots of them moving overburden to uncover coal at this coal mine. Um, the first Lee Bear 996B I've been able to see. It's like one of the main workhorses of these mines. Mm -hmm. 600 ton excavator. The funny thing is the cab is on the right side, not the left side, which is a little funny. Um, but it was just banging out trucks and we got some crispy, crispy footage. Hydraulic excavator? Yes. Yeah. Big yeah. hydraulic excavator. And they dig on, I forget what term they used for it, but they sit on a bench and dig the face simultaneously. So they'll, they'll sit on the bench above the truck and then they'll turn around and dig into the face and pull the material towards them, grab it, put it in the truck and they'll build their bench as they advance through the face and then they'll go all the way down and turn around and then advance through the face on the way back while they dig their bench as they go as well hmm. it's it's interesting how they do it that was wild so they they're basically taking two cuts simultaneously with one machine they said it's the most efficient way to do it so are they conventional type shovels or like a face shovel it's a excavator so there's a big yeah big excavator. yeah they love big excavators up there for some reason there were, oh, there was one rope shovel at this one project, but the rope shovels are pretty uncommon. Uh, everything I saw was hydraulic excavator. The Lee Bears make the biggest, basically. Uh, they're one, yeah, they're one of, there's Hitachi, Komatsu, Caterpillar, Lee Bear, but everybody ha that I've talked to said Lee Bear makes the, the really, really, really nice excavators. The like, Cadillac. Every big excavator I saw there was a Lee Bear. Or the Porsches, I should say. Yeah, they're, they're German. Yeah. yeah, they're German. <laughs> they're definitely a Porsche. Um, so that was National Group. We drove to the small town, had some lunch uh, at this random cafe, the only cafe in the town. And then we drove about four hours through the middle of nowhere, absolute middle of nowhere. About uh, three hours of it was on a paved road. We get off the paved road and then we have to drive over 100 kilometers down a dirt road. 
way down, all the way down, 100 Ks. And we get to the mine at about 4 p.m. And this is the Carmichael mine. So we're now Thursday. We get to the Carmichael mine, which is Bravis Adani. Uh, and then McKellar is the mine contractor. But we are visiting with Bravis, with the actual mining company, not the contractor this time around. So we get there and we get to, I feel like it's the Labona camp. Mm-hmm. And they get us squared away with our rooms, which were probably a little smaller than this room mm-hmm. with bed, TV, fridge, small desk, lamp, and a bathroom. Oh, that's wild. So do people, uh, do the workers sleep on site as well? Yes. So they do 7-7. Seven, seven, okay. Which I think is a sick schedule. Yeah, that, that's I would, cool. I would do that all day long. Yeah. You work, you live out there for seven days. You get all your accommodations paid for, all your food paid for, everything paid for, and it's good living. Like it was a comfortable room, clean room. Everything was, was nice because yeah. it's a brand new mine. Well, I mean, I have buddies who are, are merchant Marines and they do month on, month off. So you're slipping, you're sli- sleeping on a ship for a month. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, so we get, we got squared away. And then they said, there's this barbecue tonight. Nice. So they have a band there playing music. They have all these tables. They have this whole kitchen staff cooking this whole dinner. And there's steak and chicken and pork and lobster tails. Whoa. Shrimp, which are uh, prawns. Prawns. Yeah, God forbid. And so we dine like kings. And then at about 7 p.m., the sun had set because it's, it was winter there, mm-hmm. but it was nice in Queensland. It wasn't too hot yeah. or uh, wasn't too cold. It was pretty warm. We got in the trucks, the utes, and headed out into the mine for night operations. So we get to the mine. We don't go in the pit. We're, we're kind of out a little bit above the pit working at that first level, that first cut. Mm-hmm. It was too... 9,800 Lee Bear excavators. So these are 800 ton excavators, the same ones we saw, well, the same one we saw at Pembroke, but working. That, and that's why on the same bench setup, loading 796 Caterpillar trucks. It was super sick to see it all at night. Super, super, super sick. Super, super, super sick. Big lighting packages on the. Very, very bright lights. And then I got to go, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but they also had a film crew out with us <laughs> <laughs> on this trip. It's like too. the Spider-Man yeah, meme. Just, yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, uh, I figured they, they, like, well, if we're doing media with these guys, we ought to do our own media. Yeah. So they had a photographer and a videographer for great guys out there doing their own stuff. So they stopped the 9800 to put a GoPro up in the cab. And I, I was like, this is my chance. So I got up in the cab mm-hmm. and got to sit in the buddy seat while we were loading trucks. And it's just seeing 90 tons of, or 80 tons of material, just, just drop into the truck, just drop into the truck, slamming them out, butter, unbelievable, digging into the face right in front of you. And, and it's at night, so you can't really see anything else. It's just what's right in front of you. Awesome. It was sick. <clears throat> and so you said they're 60 yard buckets. Mm. I think about, yeah. Wild. So I can't even picture that I'm staring at this um, 
Yeah. 6015. Those yeah. are what? One, 150 well, tons? That's a that's a 390. Oh, that's a 390. I can't afford a 6015 model. <laughs> so that's a, probably a 7-yard bucket. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that that's about the are these two to scale here? They are similar scale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah, it's about a 100 ton excavator. So the Liebherr 9800 is uh, eight times eight, eight times the weight. That's wild. Yeah. So they had two of them digging, uh, pretty pretty a few hundred meters from each other, mm-hmm. and they were loading this Cat 796s. So we got some just sick, 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 sick stuff in the, at night, and it's hopefully gonna be get approved any day now. Nice. And then we went back to camp, went to bed. I woke up. I went to the gym. Mm-hmm. They had they have two gyms on site. And then I went to the the mess hall, and the breakfast was unbelievable. It was a whole breakfast buffet, and they get it every day. You can have cereal, and then you can. They have these containers where you pack your lunch. So you go there, and you you pack your lunch, you put it in your container, you have your little baggie, and you bring your lunch with you. So we eat like kings in the morning, just piles of bacon, and then we go out for the the day shooting. We started at their shop. So we got to learn about their maintenance and their trucks. The most fascinating thing about their trucks were they run multiple trays, their multiple beds on their trucks. One of them is a conventional steel bed and the other one is a rubber bed. Huh. So it has, I forget the technical term of it. It has like a steel skeleton. Yeah. But you, if you look up through the bottom of it, you can see the skeleton. And then the rubber tray, which in theory is supposed to, as it dumps, like bounce the material out, reducing the material that sticks to the bed because they've had a lot of problems with it sticking with the material. That's wild. So do they have to replace the rubber bucket? Do they get the bed chewed up Um, or rubber beds? Yeah, it it wears over time. Hmm. And apparently it's stupid expensive to replace. Yeah, but that was cool. Um, so we got to see their shop. We, we sat in on a, the, like the shift meeting, which was cool. Awesome. We got to see shift change, which is just spectacular. I love, I love just being a part of that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, we, from there got to go to an outlook to go see the whole mine from the top, which was spectacular. They had, I think it was six Liebherr excavators all working. Mm -hmm. So from this one point from dispatch, you can see everything over the pit. And then where did we go from there? We went up to the plant. So we got to see where the coal was hauled and then it's cleaned and is stockpiled for, uh, they put it on conveyors. It goes into silos and then it's loaded onto train cars. Mm-hmm. So we got to see a train headed out and then another train coming in to get loaded, which was pretty spectacular. And they, they didn't just build, have to build the mine, but they built the entire rail line. So Adani, they own everything. They own the mine. They own the rail line. They own the port facility, the export facility. They own the ships, and they own everything. All of this coal goes to in India. So this guy has to be a billions of dollars operation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think the rail is like a billion dollars alone just to get the coal out of where they were. But it's it's over 50 years of coal. It's a brand brand new mine. They've been operating for a few years mm-hmm. now. Um, but it's it's over 50 years of coal all for power in India. And the environmental standards are wildly strict. All of the stuff they do out there is 
so specific and well-designed. It's incredible. And their point is, you know, all of modern society has really benefited off of the back of coal. And now we're telling other societies that they can't do the same thing like India. But Mm -hmm. the irony is if you give people basic, if you fill the people's basic needs, they are a lot more responsible from an environmental standpoint and from a consumption standpoint. Mm -hmm. So these people, they're, a lot of these people are burning wood to keep warm, which is terrible at at scale. I know there's the one guy in the cabin in Canada that's like, well, I know this is the best way I could do it. Yeah, I get that. But for a billion people, it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. you jabroni. And, um, prevent them from from doing something like build, burning wood or or trash, what, trash or whatever yeah. they burn and give them reliable power for the first time ever mm-hmm. so that they can think beyond just survival yes um it's a story that's not told but it's so it's so 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 powerful and compelling um and then we got a tour with one of their operations managers real briefly in the pit i got mm-hmm. i got to get a piece of coal nice. a souvenir and see how they actually mined the coal. And, and it, it was interesting too. He explained if this was a new coal mine next to all the other coal mines, mm-hmm. they could at least kind of see how it's mined in another place, depending on the geology and the materials. But since this is a brand new coal mine in a new region, they've had to just get into it and learn as they go. Cause you can, you can do all the testing you want, but until you start to take buckets of dirt out of the ground you really don't know necessarily what's going to be there nice so do they they map it out i guess do they have do they use like sonar or something to find where the coal is or they um use... all drilling all drilling all core samples interesting so they, yeah they basically they make a three-dimensional map of what's underneath but it's more so the the dirt that they're not after mm-hmm. like how it reacts when it rains for example and and that's the kind of stuff that that is difficult to deal with when it's a brand new operation but it looked fantastic it was super super amazing how old is this operation i want to say it started up in like 2016 or something like that maybe a little bit maybe oh. a little bit newer so it's current yeah oh it's pretty new yeah. yeah yeah so what what was like the general you said so seven days living there yeah and then how long is a normal shift for let's let's just say like a haul truck driver? Twelve hours. Twelve hours. Yeah. What was like the general vibe with people? What people? Dude, it was generally happy. Chilling. I was I was expecting a camp like it was my first time staying in a mining camp, and I was expecting it to be a little odd, a little sketch. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I was the entire time. I was, I was like, I'd I'd live here. I would yeah. work here. I would do this. And then they operate. They have their own airstrip. And they operate their own planes. So you you get in, you get on a flight and then you fly to Rockhampton or Mackay or, or, you know, the, there's like three cities that they fly to. Mm-hmm. And you, so you, you don't live anywhere close to there a lot of times, but mm-hmm. then they do hire a lot of people locally as well because cool. that was their commitment was we're actually not going to run autonomous here. We want to hire as many people as we can from the community mm-hmm. to support as many careers as we can. And I'm assuming after they mine, they have big operations to restore as well. Yeah, yeah. all of it's restored. Mm-hmm. All, all of it's reclaimed. That's mm-hmm. that's you can't put a single shovel in the ground without 
all of this, all of these studies and all of these, all of this planning about water and about environmental and about remediation, all of that is by design. Yeah. So you're so. telling me it's pretty good for the environment because it's reclaimed. The workers are pretty happy. Yeah. And it's not super dangerous. It's weird. It's weird how that works. It's weird how that works. It, yeah. That's not the narrative that's propagated. Uh, about coal typically but bravis i mean it's dangerous obviously you know it 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 can be it can be but the way they do it it's not yes if it, it, it can be if done right but the way modern mining works is it's not yes so we wrap up at the carmichael mine and then from there I'm trying to find something else to do the following day. So this is Thursday. Mm, this, yeah, this is Thursday. So from here, we then drive to Morenba, mm -hmm. another mining town. And we get the motel, the, like the motor inn or whatever it is. Nice. We eat at the restaurant. There's a... Um, a grocery store there. It, it was it was a little bit more built up, a, big, mm -hmm. a little bit bigger mining town. So we go get some groceries. And the following day, I was trying to get down to a, a one mine, but then they said, no pictures. I'm like, mm -hmm. You can come out, but no pictures. I'm like, oh, well, Great. yeah, whatever. So then we go to another mine in an undisclosed location um, that was, we were with a mine contractor mm -hmm. and we weren't, technically supposed to be taking too many pictures so we were we were careful about it thoughtful about it took a few checked out their operation really i don't think i'm gonna share anything i just want to really see what they're doing mm -hmm. so they're running dozers and um got to see some pretty cool machines and just got to see another coal mining operation which was sick so that was that yeah and then we drove back to makai that afternoon and went to Komatsu nice. down the road from Hastings Deering to see what they were doing because I heard they were assembling a bunch of 475 dozers. So we saw Komatsu Australia. We go to one of the Komatsu branches and we get there and we sign in. We get our little stickers, badges, mm -hmm. and but no one's at reception. So I'm looking around. I'm like, uh, hello. And I go down the hallway and go to one of the offices. I'm like, hey, we're, we're here to see so-and-so. They're like, um, I don't know who that is. Another guy comes out and says, you're in the wrong spot. All right, check. We go to the right spot, which was down the road. Go figure. Mm -hmm. At the other Komatsu branch. Um, and they had positioned, they were building five, four, seven, five dozers, which are, I think, the biggest production dozer in the world at this time by weight. Um, building five of them for the coal mines. And they had positioned one outside for us to check out and so they rolled it out just for yeah, just for you <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool so they were working on a few of them this one was completed they were working on two wa 1200s as well which is a really big loader mm -hmm. and then i was looking at the dozer taking pictures of it and i look over at the guy and i said hey can i put my rental car next to this and he's like <laughs> i don't see why not yeah <laughs> like it's just a kind of a parking lot yeah so then i get to take our little rav4 toyota and put it right next to the dozer and took some pictures like that as well. 
I would love to see that picture. It's pretty cool. I took, yeah. I, I did that, and then I took a picture of Angel in front of a D11 that morning, mm-hmm. and then Angel in front of the 475 that nice. same day. So this Komatsu Desert is it? Is it? Um, you were talking. You were talking about up in Canada, the Super Dozer or whatever. Yeah, yep, yep, That's yep, the yep. same model. I don't or know if it's a Super Dozer. It's the same model. Mm-hmm. I, I need to talk to Chad about that. I don't know what the difference is necessarily yeah. with the Super Dozer. I know it's a little bit heavier. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. And a little bit more super. But they're both 475s. More bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the but we so I saw that one, but uh it didn't have a blade on it. And dozers are less cool without blades on them. Yes. They look like big tractors. They they look like giant <laughs> tractors. So that was that. We went to a coffee shop, of course. And then got on a plane and flew to um, Sydney, and then Sydney to Leeton, New South Wales. Nice. So, other coast? No. Um, how how far do we want to go? I don't know. So, what? How many days have we gone by? At I'm this like point? halfway. You're like halfway. Yeah. Maybe we have to part two this. We want to part two this. How many times? How long have? See how long we've been going. I feel like about an hour. We've been going like 50 minutes. Uh, Let's part two this. Or you can just stick them together, but we can record the second part on a different day. Yeah, that's fine with me. Okay. All right, so let's just run it back, I guess. Um, Based on our the meeting we just had, we are going to make this a two-part podcast because this is a big trip. So to summarize part one, we flew from America to Australia, Queensland. We were in Queensland the entire first week. We started with Hastings Deering in Mackay and then visited Teese at the Pembroke Olive Downs Complex, a new metallurgical coal mine uh, in the Bowen Basin, which was spectacular. From there, we saw National Group, a large equipment supplier to the mining companies all around Australia. Amazing, amazing group of folks. Then we drove up to the Carmichael Mine and saw Bravis and McKellar and what it takes to build uh, a new coal mine as well, but it was a little further along producing, and this was for thermal coal for power. Uh, again, just an unbelievable experience. Saw the operation at night and during the day, and then from there saw another coal mine with some dozers, and finally, Komatsu, Australia, back in Mackay, back where we landed just five days prior. We got on a plane Friday night. Oh, no. I was wrong. Oh, no. We didn't go to New South Wales. We flew Friday night to Brisbane for the weekend. Nice. Yeah. Just to chill? Just to chill. Nice. We went to the Steve Irwin's zoo. Please. So that's where we will end this one. Me and Angel at Steve Irwin's zoo looking at the koalas. Stay tuned for part two? Stay tuned for part two.